So I got everything I wanted to drink and snacks to eat, and I typed all night long. And Saturday night, I read through what I had. Sunday, I went to Salisbury University and Xeroxed a copy for every student in the class. The president of Salisbury University at the time was Dr. Uh, Merwin, and he was walking through the building. And I was wondering, why was he walking through the building on a Sunday? Well, he was leaving town the next day. So he asked for a copy, and Tuesday he called back to Salisbury University and told him, I want this in print. I'm Stephanie Fowler. And I'm Tony Russo. And welcome to this episode of So What's Your Story, a podcast in which we talk to writers and authors about their writing, the stories behind the story, their writing process, and any other miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the show, we have Dr. Clara Small, who has published several nonfiction books based on the African-American experience. Dr. Small taught at Salisbury University for 36 years as a professor of history. I believe you did uh, civil rights studies, yes, world dis- discrimination, world civilization, and American, local history, American society, all kinds of stuff. Her uh, her CV is pretty impressive. Um, and so her new novel is titled Compass Points, and it focuses on the profiles and biographies of at least 56 uh, African Americans from the Dunmarva Peninsula. Welcome to the podcast, Clara. Good morning. Thank you. Good. I'm, we're so glad to have you here. I know it's kind of early, but we're glad to have you around. Oh, this is fun. I'm accustomed to getting up early in the morning, so this I, is great. I certainly imagine. So one of the things that I definitely want to hit on early in our um, in the podcast is the story behind how Compass Points kind of came together. Um, this came together initially as a as a well, it was the result of uh, a, a moment. A wonderful of, student. Yes. Why don't you tell us about that story? Well, about 15 years ago, at least 15 years ago, in an African-American history class at Salisbury University, on a Friday afternoon, one student, I guess he thought he was being rebellious or being funny, said, well, you know, African-Americans have never done anything in this country and definitely not on the Eastern Shore. So I said, would you repeat that? And he did. So I said, okay, let us just take a break. This is the first time you're going to have a break in this class, and I will see you bright and early Monday morning. I knew at that point I had to allow them to have a break because smoke and steam was coming out of everywhere, and I, if I didn't do that, I was going to go to jail. I mean, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you don't just strangle somebody. Well, you know that at some point in time. There's a problem, and ignorance is bliss sometimes, or they just don't know. So you have to be very nice and calm. Otherwise, you definitely would go to jail. Sure. So I uh, said, okay. I went home that Friday afternoon. I got in the middle of my bed, and at the time, uh, laptops were not very fashionable. I was using a word processor. So I got everything I wanted to drink and snacks to eat, and I typed all night long. And Saturday night, I read through what I had. Sunday, I went to Salisbury University and Xeroxed a copy for every student in the class. I was ready for Monday morning. (laughs) And I said, that's better than killing the student. So at the time, that Sunday afternoon, the president of Salisbury University at the time was Dr. Uh, Merwin. And he was walking through the building. 
and I was wondering why was he walking to the building on a Sunday? Well, he was leaving town the next day, and he saw me. He said, what are you doing? So I explained to him what had happened. He said, was the student crazy? I said, no, he just didn't know. And what was strange was he was taking an African-American history class at the time. Right, yeah. So he asked for a copy. I gave him a copy of that 32-page little booklet that I had prepared over the weekend. And he went to um, Hawaii on that Monday. And Tuesday, he called back to Salisbury University to public relations and told them, I want this in print. Get in touch with Clara Small. And as a result, Salisbury University, Salisbury University Press that they created. Yeah. (laughs) And we published it. And we've been publishing ever since different things. And uh, this was an an outgrowth of it. Compass Points, Volume 1. And now... um one of the, I, I'm sorry, I have a question that I have to ask. I'm jumping to yes. the end here. That's okay. It just occurred to me, and I didn't. I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget about it. Uh, the Harriet Tubman movie. Tubman movie. Bleh, Harriet Tubman movie. Um, did, did you talk to that lady when she was down here at all? Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, Davis, uh, who's going to be um, the principal character. Uh, it's supposed to be put out by Steven Spielberg and I believe um, HBO. Right, no, the the the, the, the author. author. Oh yes, I, oh. I don't know who. I don't have any. I don't. Kate Larson. Yeah, <laughs> she and I were friends. We talk sometime on Sundays, and I've known her for a number of years. Yeah, yeah. And she's been. We've invited her down to Salisbury and everything. So, yeah, she's written um, supposedly the definitive book on Harriet Tubman. Right, and that's why I was. I was. She's a friend of yours, so I guess I can say that. I, I was I was a little offended by the notion. That's all. I, I'm like, well, you, you, she's not. I'm not from here, and I hate the whole from here come here thing a lot. But when I'm like, you you, you don't you don't. She promote. teaches at in Boston. <laughs> you're not one of us. I'm well, one of us. I know. I know you're I'm not, not either. <laughs> I'm. I came here to work to teach. But my parents always told us that wherever you are, you become a part of that community. I guess, yeah. And I've been here 36 years, and I still have people to tell me, well, you will never be accepted because you weren't raised and born here. I said, so what? <laughs> Who else is trying to preserve this history more than me? Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't even bother me. You just have to say, okay, Fair and enough. walk away. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll be, yeah. it's not worth it. Yeah. And I know what my commitment is. Mm-hmm. I know what my... I guess you could say my major concern is because I've invested a lot of time and energy and money in yeah. doing this. Yeah. So I don't care what they think. Well, right. that's one of the things that, um, and I know you and I have talked about this when we were putting your, when we were putting compass points together. Actually, I came up with the name compass points. Yes, she did. Uh, uh, pat, yes. pat on my back. Because <laughs> yes. um, initially it was just, I think it was just biographies, biographies or something. Yes. And so we were, and she was like, if you think of a better title. And so I got thinking about all of the different people we have, abolitionists and educators and religious leaders and even baseball players. There's all sorts of people that have been profiled um, in this book. And when I got thinking about it, I was like, you know, these people, and and you had talked about, and when I said, what do you think about for the cover? She said, I think something about a map because it's, you know, Eastern Shore, Delmarva Peninsula kind of focused. So, um, you know, I was thinking about this and and I thought, you know, all of these people are really, you know, they, they are... A moral compass. They are an, you know, a, an educational compass. You have the Underground Railroad, you know, people who are in here. And I was like, you know, they really are compass points. They really yes. are, you know, leading true north in, in a oh, sense. Yes. Um, so, 
So I came up with, with that. But one of the things that you and I talked about, um, and one of the reasons why I was so excited when this project, you know, came in the door here at Saltwater was because I don't know of anybody else doing this work. I don't know of anybody else that's Me preserving either. the African American stories and the African American experience in the way that you are. Well, I'm just trying to do my little bit to preserve this history simply because it needs to be done. Um, young people need to know that this is a shared experience and it's not just for African Americans, it's for everybody. And they must understand that once um, the elders die out, their stories are going to be lost because they're not, you know, safe anywhere. So it's just a little bit that I'm trying to do to just save it. Well, I, 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 got, my, my, I got my degree in history from Salisbury University, and that was always one of the things that frustrated me as a student is because you, when you have to do the research, the, the uh, primary... Pro-SIM right. class yeah. to be a history major. Right, and you're looking and you're like, this is really just a list of what rich people were buying and selling. And yes. That is all there is. And so now I'm a newspaper reporter. And one of the things that I really like to try to do is make sure that I, I talk to politicians and rich people as not often as possible, as infrequently as possible. I like to talk to people and get their stories down because I know that in a hundred years, somebody's not, no, everybody's going to know, yes, the rich people bought stuff from one another as they've been doing for a million years. But what was it like to be an ordinary person, a regular a everyday regular life? And it's, that's, that's why this is, this is and fantastic trials and tribulations and just trying to survive. I had the, I had the privilege of, we, we were just talking before you came in about Isaiah Fawcett. Yes. Yes. And Uncle Zier. Yes. Well, I, I interviewed a, a woman. Her name was Jesse Fawcett. Yes. You know, Jesse. Yeah. She can't still be alive. I mean, <laughs> I, all right, so her birthday is October 11th. I know this because my birthday is October 10th. Okay. Um, she 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 lived to be 102 or 103, um, and uh, I remember uh, it's, it's just my favorite old person story, and it was one of the reasons you want to capture this kind of stuff. Um, I I went over for let's say her 100th birthday for the newspaper. You know, yes. it's a story, you take a picture, and uh, she was the first black principal, well, vice principal, at Snow Hill when they integrated the schools. And so you're talking about her, and she's like, ah, kids are kids. It wasn't a big deal. And, like, she she had seen so much. It was just, I, my favorite story is they were, uh, they were, the government had come, and they were teaching them to can for the war effort. And so all the women in, in, in town came, and they had this canning class. And I said, what war was that? And I swear to God, she says, well, when were they? <laughs> I'm like, well, there was one in, like, 1920 and one in, like, 1940. She's like, Oh, the first one, I think. And like that, you know, when, when, and she remembered she, she, when she wasn't being a principal, she was like, uh, she was like a maid at the, at the Atlantic Hotel in yes. Berlin or whatever. But I'm um, not Berlin, uh, Ocean it's City. Ocean but, City. But okay. the idea is this, this kind of long view of like, this is what a regular per, this is what happens to a regular person. They're really huge things don't matter. She remembers, she remembers the kids getting along. She remembers her own children and her own life. And what, you know, and, and what the... The what, big picture. The big picture things that matter to regular people. Yes. And, and that's, that's all of that's, that's The big picture. Yeah. Because some of the other things just, hey, just happen. <laughs> there, there are wars sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Get used to it. And then there'll be another one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and another one. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> so in, 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 your, in your research, what are, some of the, what are some of the kind of the interesting small person stories that... 
Oh my that kind Lord. of leaps to mind. How to survive? Yeah. Um, during a depression, um, surviving racism and discrimination, but at the same time, cooperation between different ethnicities. Right. People getting along with each other, supporting each other, and trying to understand the world around them. Mm-hmm. Those were the uh, real, I guess, the real stories that right. mattered. Did you did you get a, did you get a chance to come across someone that not only had nobody known, but like we all should be ashamed that we don't know? Oh my gosh! Yeah, the Mary Fairbergs. Mary Fairbergs was from Alabama. Um, she. Went to school, graduated from college by the age of 18. She began to teach at a high school, and then she taught at the college in, um, I believe it was Birmingham? No, Montgomery. She attended Dexter Church, was a member under Martin Luther King, young Martin Luther King, wow. Jr. And um, for years, she had protested against racism and discrimination. She appealed, she um, formed a group, the Women's Political Council, in 1946. But, and she wanted to become a part of uh, the Women's uh, Voting Rights Group. They would not accept her because she was African-American. So she formed that group. (laughs) She appealed to uh, the city council. They didn't do anything about racism and discrimination. So um, when Rosa Parks was arrested December the 1st, 1955, she said, oh, we're going to support her. So she and her group sent out flyers, and they protested and protested. And instead of a one-day protest, it became a 381-day protest. Well, Mirafai Burks was told that she better resign or lose her job. And the State Bureau of Investigation of Alabama investigated her. So she resigned, lost her job. She appealed to um, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He said he would try to help her. We have the letters, oh, correspondence between them. She came to Maryland. She got a job at the University of Maryland, Eastern Shore. <laughs> and she worked there until she uh, retired. And so this is like L- local recently, history. Yeah. Very, very much so. And she organized women groups here in the area. So that's a local story that has implications nationally. Right. And, and, and I'm sorry, so, so how, when did she retire? Like, oh, my gosh. In the eight, late 80s. No, oh, right. 80s or 90s. So I, did, you, did, you have a, did you have an opportunity to meet her or to interview her? Or anything? I came in contact with her, but I didn't realize what her story was. But her, some of her best friends were here. And I've talked to them. Uh-huh. And as a matter of fact, I talked to one of them yesterday right. who's down in Mobile, who was a, a librarian at Salisbury University as well as at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore? That's that's those funny. connections are fantastic. It is. It's it's always uh, the other the other newspaper thing is it's always frustrating when you get an obituary and you're like, you know, if you called me like we're running your obituary, I would have done a better job yeah. six months ago because mm-hmm. this is an awesome story that is now just a hundred words of oh you know oh my gosh. he cured cancer now he's dead sorry you didn't know that he lives next door to you you know what uh-huh. I mean. That's another reason why it is so important to preserve this history and to learn their stories. Just like in Crossing. Yeah, in Crossings. Harris, Melvin Harris. Yeah, Melvin Harris. I mean, he was another one. Um, he's, he 
he's not in not this yet. book, but he's in the next I'm, one. I'm hoping that he'll get into him. Melvin Harris and his wife Clara, also Clara, yes, um, was my uh, when I was in, in elementary school at Prince Street. I was in the in the band, and uh, Clara Harris was my third grade teacher, and Melvin Harris uh, taught band, and he was real big in Wicomico County with band at all the different schools, and they came here um, to the shore when segregation was still very much in effect, mm-hmm. and he. Uh, she was hired at, they wanted to recruit him, and he said he would only come if they would give his wife yes. a job. So he got a job as the all, at the all black high school as the band director, and she got a job at one of the all black schools. And so then, uh, integration, you know, starts to happen. Well, prior to that, when they were still segregated, and this is my favorite Melvin Harris story, my oh, yes. favorite one. So the superintendent of Wicomico County Schools calls Melvin mm-hmm. Harris and says, hey, George Wallace is flying into town. He's coming to the airport, and we want your marching band to go out and play for him. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and so Melvin said, absolutely not. I, I'm not taking my kids out to the airport to play music while George Wallace gets off an airplane and walks to his cab or whatever it is. And the superintendent said to him, well, it'll look really good. And Melvin Harris says, you can take my job, but I'm not taking my kids out there. That's right. And he, so Melvin Harris says, well, why don't you ask the white high school to play? He said, well, I did. And they said, no, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You know? So I think it's like stories like that, you know? And, and to me, that is all my, like, and that's so quintessential Melvin Harris. I mean, he's, fantastic. you know, he's fantastic. He's a, a remarkable gentleman. His wife is just fantastic. a lovely oh, lady. Gosh, Goodness yes. gracious. She's a lovely lady. And, uh, but it's stories like that. And then, so, and I talked to them about the process of what it was like to be in Wicomico County when things were segregated, the process of integration, and then how it worked later. And, um, you know, as a kid born in, you know, 79, I went to school. You know, you, I mean, you probably did too. I mean, we went to school, everything was integrated, but just like Claire's generation, yep. not segregated. so. So, I mean, we are separated one generation from, from segregation right. at this point. And so, and then, and then again, I just, you know, I always circle back to how important, you know, this work is that you're collecting. Okay. Oh, and, um, so one of the story, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, is there any sort of story that you've come across that, um, impacted you more than, than what you thought it would like? You thought, oh, I'm just going to go into this interview and I'm going to talk to this person and get something. But then you walked away like really profoundly affected by, affected by it. Because I think that happens to a lot of writers. Oh, yeah. I think we go into a lot of things and we walk away with a completely, you know, kind of spun 180 from a story. Dwayne Whittington, Dr. Dwayne Whittington, um, who was the first black superintendent of schools in Somerset County. I had the opportunity to talk to him several times. And the story that he was telling of his life where his mother died, oh gosh, less than a couple of months after he was born. He was raised by grandparents, went to segregated schools, everything. And he would go walk to the school, stoke the fire, start the furnace, go back home, take a shower, go to school throughout the school day, stroke the furnace again. And he he wanted to go to school. He ended up going to, I believe, Morgan, graduated, limited service, got his degrees, went back and became, later on became the superintendent of the school. Wow. And then he was fired, but they would not tell him why. <laughs> and during the um, trial, one of the ladies testified, and she was not African-American, and 
she said that she was told they didn't want a black person using the N-word as superintendent. And so because of the work that he did within the community, there's a school named after him. Oh, wow. So that... You know, that's into our story because, you yeah, when you think about it. because it started before I came here. Right. And not knowing everything about the Eastern Shore when I came here. Okay. I guess you could say I was starry eyed and, you know, okay. Everything's going to be great. It's not going to be like I grew up in North Carolina. <laughs> Okay. I was just about to say, you grew up sort of out in the small town, small North Carolina. Town. This, is, this, is, this, is the, the, this is the mid-south. We are like yeah. diet south. south. Yes. We, we are the diet south. Yes. Here we are. It, it, it's cookie, the, 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 the whole, like, it's just barely northern enough to be polite about race, but not yeah, to be very, very polite, polite about race. True. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, some things in Maryland are, worse than in North Carolina. And I was born and raised there. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I have to stop and say, okay, remember where you are. Yeah, and I, I, I came from New Jersey, and it was the exact... I'm like, oh, well, Maryland's an northern state. And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> the only place I have been called the N-word was here in Salisbury. And it was called to my face. I said, okay. <laughs> you will wow. remember that. Right. And they did. <laughs> um. How do you choose, like, there, there's too much choice. Like, how do you not get paralyzed by, by the number of stories that you, that you can write? Oh, my God. Like, what is your selection process? So, like, you know, when, and you and I talked about this, when your book came out, all of a sudden people were like, well, I want to be in it. I want to be in it. Hey, oh, come talk yeah. to me, you know. So, people have been asking to talk to me for about 10 years. I, I used to refer to her as the queen of February. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, how do you pick? In, individuals that I know have done something outstanding that people in the community know about. And then sometimes I'm surprised that I've been going to church with some individuals who happen to have been a feature writer for Time Warner magazine for um, some of everything you could possibly think of. This man did illustrations and everything. He's so gentle, meek, and mild, and so many other things, like Mary Fabberg's story, and just connecting the dots of, with individuals. And sometimes I'm simply saying, oh, my God, you are in the middle of major things going on in the world, and nobody just, knows about it. Right. Right. So then there's, so when you're interviewed, when you go to, do a selection. You basically try to figure out kind of what the root story is, what the root story, and is. not just somebody who wants a publicity pat on the back. True, because <laughs> I have a few of those that I just keep putting in at the bottom. Yeah. I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> now, how often do you run into walls and have to give up on something oh, that happened? Oh, I've run into walls a lot because sometimes you have to run people down and just be persistent and persistent and persistent. And sometimes I write the story, walk up to them, say, would you read this? This is your story. If there are questions, if there are problems with this, let me know. And then I run into them again. What do you think? Oh, okay. So you just have to be like a little gnat. (laughs) How often do you think that there's an embarrassment component in that, especially if someone comes off better than they think they should? That happens to me occasionally. It does. They're like, oh, no, this is this is too nice. You can't put this out. Mm-hmm. I'm not as nice as you make me 
I can't believe you've ever made anybody sound nice. <laughs> I am I'm 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 prized for my for my obsequiousness when it comes to when it comes okay. to profile. Well, you I've do learned it something in a this dignified manner. <laughs> you do it in if you use words that are more than like if you if you catch one thing about them with a with a word that either they don't know or that's 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 colorful or it's not just one uncommon mm-hmm. sentence mm-hmm. in any profile will embarrass the person. And I do that so that they don't complain about the story. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> true, true. But sometimes people do complain and say, well, I don't think you need to put that in. I said, but you told me that. Yeah. yeah. That's I, the I thing said, about nonfiction. You got it. You got it. But you, you write it, try to do it in a dignified manner and try to make sure that their major contribution is known. And in the framework of the time period, because if you take it out of frame, you know, time factor, you're yeah, in trouble. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> and um, I try to take it, whatever I write, to the individual so that they can see what I've written about them. If you want me to take something out or you something I've missed, please let me know. Right, and and, and also a lot of times it's just it's just not true. I mean, I've I've done that where I I made up a fact like. Like somebody would say something and I would think something of what they said mm-hmm. and then I would change what they said into what I thought of what they said. And oh. they'd be like, where did that I don't know. So, you know, if it's, since recording helps. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. But I've had a wonderful time getting to meet so many different people and I have tubs and tubs of interviews and tapes and just going through and selecting them and trying to get with the individuals to make sure that that is what they said and that that is what they want to be known by. And now do you have a do you have a do you have a, 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 a plan for someone to do you, do you have an assistant do you have an intern? I, 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 since it came out wrong, I don't remember now. But do you know what I mean? Like is is is, is there is there I know because you're involved with the NAP Center. So, yes. So do, you, do I have an intern? Do I have it? No. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm lying. Oh, <laughs> She's a one-woman. It's a one-woman show. There, there must be somebody. You Please, Lord, <laughs> you know I'm trying. <laughs> no. no, she's uh, me, myself, and I. I think. Yes, that's it. Yeah, because it's very difficult trying to find someone who's really interested in the same thing. Mm-hmm. It it and trying to train someone to do the More interviews effort. and and I begged my school for years for it intern, a work set a student, a graduate student, it didn't work. Yeah. So I just kept collecting and collecting and I have tubs of information. Yeah, and, 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 and that's and, and, and that's the pro that's what I was talking about before, like getting through all of those. It's gotta be it's gotta be just a mountain. It is. It is. And about two years ago I drew up a list of people I wanted to interview. I had at that time about hundred and eighty people. Mm-hmm. I wanted to interview, so I'm still working on the list. Wow! And adding more names to the list. Yeah, no, I mean one a week—that's four years or whatever, three years. So I know. <laughs> I know. And how many have you done this week? <laughs> uh, this week I worked on um, slaves out of Dorchester, slaves and free blacks who served in the Civil War, and I finished typing it yesterday. It's 584 so far. Wow. Yeah, and I'm going to Annapolis tomorrow to do some more work. Dorchester County is is amazing. It's a special place, like even for the Eastern Shore. I 
I find it impenetrable. It's just, I don't, there, it's a culture that I just. Unto itself. I just don't get it. It's, no, it's, it's odd. And when you think about Dorchester County, you think about Harriet Tubman. I mean, as immediately, immediately, right. that's one of the first ones that come through. But it's a, definitely a different little different creature. atmosphere. And what is the reason why I'm working on Dorchester County, Dorchester and Talbot, but Dorchester has to be uh, finished first because of the park that they're going to open Harriet Tubman right. Park. They publicly they said 2016, but in a meeting they said 2017. At best. <laughs> I, because they couldn't get the exhibits, everyone to agree on it, and meetings, 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 and for right. So I'm trying to get that done first. And there's a girl that was um, who works at the Robin Center in Cambridge, Terry Neal. And I met her in June, and she said, Oh, I'm glad to meet you. And we started talking. I said, Wait a minute. Aren't you the person who's trying to work on that? She said, Yeah. So we had a meeting. We were working on it together. Oh, that's good. Oh, fantastic. I said, she said, you work with me? I said, why not? I said, I'm getting old. I'm 69. I said, do you understand that I don't plan to be working on this project forever? Right. You work on it from your direction. I work on it from mine. We meet once a month. That's cool. Pull the information together. It should be ready by next June. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm happy to work on it. I'm happy to do it. And, you know, it was interesting, you know, not to, I don't want to keep talking about myself because obviously I want to make this about you, but um, interesting foot, oh, interesting note about compass points. So when I was doing the layout work and putting this together, I was going through and I'm laying out all these different biographies. And I got to the biography of James and Sudie Gatling, who are a lovely from couple Pocomoke. from the Pocomoke area. And they were instrumental in preserving the Sturgis one-room schoolhouse. It was um, a schoolhouse that was um, for all black children. And uh, so I had talked to them years ago. So anyway, I'm, I'm laying out uh, Claire's book here, Compass Points. I'm going through, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait. And, I'm, and she said, all the stories are footnoted, right? So I go through, and I'm like, wait, I think I, did I just see my name? And I go back, and I'm a footnote. I am a footnote in the book. And I was like, I was like high fiving Patty over there. I was like, I am a footnote in Clara's book, and I and I was like, How did you get to be a footnote? Because I wrote a story about um, the one room Sturgis, yes. uh, the Sturgis one room school. I had written this story like I don't know several years, years ago, ago, maybe like in two thousand eight, yes. well two thousand seven, two thousand eight time frame. I wrote a story about the one room Sturgis uh, Sturgis one room school, and I talked to um, Sudie Gatling, who's a lovely lady, oh, goodness gracious, from North Carolina too, also. And uh, she had that lovely North Carolina oh, accent yeah. that I guess I hear in your voice frequently. So, you know, I talked to him and did this story. And then all of a sudden, I'm laying out Claire's book. And I'm like, I'm a footnote. It was like the biggest <laughs> nerd. I, it was like, you know, I was like on nerd alert the whole day because I felt so special <laughs> that I was a, a footnote in the book. But I didn't tell her that she was a footnote. All right. Yeah. I was waiting for her to tell <laughs> I, I was so excited. It was like the height of uh, vanity, perhaps, but uh, I was totally excited. It's a great story. Well, thank Wonderful. you very much. Well, I also think that somebody should be doing a biography on you. Oh Lord. Well, no. I mean, seriously, the one person, like the one person who has all of this and all the work that you're doing, you should do a. Oh, you should do a biography of Dr. Claire Small. In, in no, I'll let somebody else do that. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just put everything in one place and, and make it easy to look at. I'll write. I'll. I'll if, God forbid I survive you. I'll write it, but just put everything in. 
order. Time order, please. Okay. <laughs> yes. leave, leave us your notes. Okay. <laughs> leave, leave your notes. We'll, we'll co-author that book. And maybe maybe some cross-referencing, you know, okay. suggestions. Like, yeah, you know, go talk to these ten people. If this is cool, then you should look in this box. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be convenient. Tub, go see Tub D. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right, so we're gonna have to wrap it up soon. So before before we do, uh, let's talk about the 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 upcoming book. Yeah, do we have a, a plan for that. Really, two upcoming books. Well, really three. One is Compass Points Two. Uh-huh. I've already typed over 180 pages, wow. and you will be another footnote for the uh-huh. Melvin yes. Harris <laughs> Harris awesome. story. I love I'm, it. I'm going to call him this afternoon for an interview and tell him I said hello. Yes, I will. Give him my best. And um, Dorchester County, I have no idea what to label that story. I'll come up with a title for you. Good. She's great with that. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it's about um, slaves and free blacks who served in the Civil War. Right. And it's going to be much more detailed than the one we put out about five years ago with Reverend Bridell, mm-hmm. uh Men of Color to Arms, whereby someone said, oh, it's only about six, six uh, African-Americans who served in the Civil War from this area. It was 1,284. That's crazy. 1,284. But the one for Dorchester County and eventually Talbot County, and I'm doing research on both at the same time, it's much more detailed. Uh, not only do we have the rank, um, the age, um, the company, if they lived or if after the Civil War, right. if, or if they died, or who, if they were slaves, who the owners were, if they were free. But we have their complexion, their color of their hair, color of their eyes, their height, their occupation, and there's some other factor too. So all of that, and some of the stories uh, taken out from the pensions. So two of us working, Tara Neal and I working from two different angles, and we're pulling the stuff together. And like I said, the ones, the the names that I have so far in alphabetical order. After I counted them last night, it was 584 just for Dorchester alone. So, wow. Start thinking of a title. I will, I will start thinking right now. And the third one is uh, the story of Snow Hill, the history of Snow Hill. Nice. So, it's keeping me busy. Yeah. So, we will maybe look for these uh, in 2016? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. so I feel like having a ball. Because I remember when we were working on volume one, you said you already had some stuff going and you were oh ready God, for volume yeah. two. So I feel like 2016 is probably a good sweet sweet spot for yes. Compass Points volume two. Yes. Absolutely. Well, yes. I'm excited about that. Oh, and I'm also excited to see myself as another footnote. So. <laughs> fantastic you to work with well i just want to again thank you for the work that you're doing um again like i said i don't know of anybody else that's doing this work and and i appreciate that and um, i think it's exceptionally important and the name of uh clara's book here is compass points profiles and biographies of african americans from the delmarva peninsula volume one and And a labor of love a labor of love absolutely for both of us i think so i just want to thank you for being here today you're quite welcome, and this was my pleasure. This was great. Good. Well, well, we'll have you back soon when we do when we do when you do Compass Points too. And they are both available on the Saltwater Media. Yeah, on the saltwatermedia.com website. Go there and buy a bunch of them. All right. <laughs> great. Thanks. <laughs> buy a ton of them. <laughs> So What's Your Story was recorded way too early in the morning in Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin. Find us at www.saltwatermedia.com and on social media. Want to hear more? 
Just follow along by subscribing on iTunes to hear more behind-the-story stories. Want other people to hear more? Give us a great review on iTunes. Tell your story.